This is Brandon Kelly, the host of Blue Wire's new podcast, Golden Goal. Messi takes everybody on. Messi has got it! From Lionel Messi to Marta to Pele, our show takes a deep dive into soccer superstars. 2-0, and he's... What a World Cup for Megan Rapinoe! From Zlatan Ibrahimovic's brash confidence with the play to back it up, to Megan Rapinoe's heroic outspokenness and World Cup flair... Each episode examines a personality of the world's game. We'll dig into Maradona's Hand of God performance and subsequent downfall. The teenage trio at Dortmund that signaled the next generation of superstars. And that infamous headbutt that slung Zinedine Zidane from glory. Golden Goal. Soccer stars and the moments that made them. Premiering this summer on Blue Wire. The Detroit Pistons select Sekou Dumbuya. The boy gets run off the line. Down the lane. My goodness. Look at that. Pistons come right back at him with a bruise. Oh, oh, oh. Jam. Dishes to Luke for the long gun. It goes. Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to Pistons versus Everybody, the Detroit Pistons podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am your host, Lazarus Jackson. Joined tonight by fellow Blue Wire bro, Ty Windish of the Eurostep Podcast. What's up, Ty? Not too much, except for like the million things seemingly happening in the NBA today. But otherwise, not much. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm excited to have like an actual legitimate Pistons-related thing to talk about. Because Oh, yeah. It's been a while, huh? Yeah. I didn't think I, didn't think I was going to get another one of these until like the Combine, whenever that is. the virtual combine or i guess like the practice things in september maybe we'll see yeah and like maybe the the ever the effervescent possibility of a chicago bubble uh, otas of some sort i don't know the otas are kind of useless for me from a content perspective unless they like let us watch it on twitch or something oh hopefully they do hopefully they, they let you get something out of it like i mean obviously the teams need it but from a content perspective I have been thinking about this for a little bit. We're both privy to the uh, the Chase Down Discord, the the Cleveland Cavaliers podcast on this great network. And my goodness, are they just like talking about the same like five draft prospects over and over? And I've been thinking lately, like you poor delete eight teams, man. There's just nothing to talk about except for this eternally pushback draft and maybe this these OTA type things. But you guys get something else now, which is good. It's so funny too because like. Before the bubble started, I was like, yes, it makes total sense to not bring every single NBA team into the bubble from a safety perspective. And now I'm like watching like Kings games at like 1030. And I'm like, no, like, absolutely. We could be here. <laughs> what is the point? Well, you Please. gotta be, you gotta be seeing like Mikhail, I think Bridges, like having some great games for Phoenix and some of these guys, some of these young guys on the teams that don't really matter this year, but they're still getting like some flashes that you can just tell like. That'll sustain the Phoenix fans for a little while. That right there almost. Like the stuff like that that, you know, obviously Pistons, Cavaliers, the other six teams don't get. It's tough. I do I, I agree with you. It made perfect sense to not bring all thirty. They probably still brought too many, but I do feel for the fans of the teams that just like radio silence essentially. Yeah, basically. Ooh. But in order to bridge that gap though, we have some stuff to talk about. The Detroit Pistons purchased the North Arizona Suns, the G League affiliate of the Phoenix Suns, to move downtown Detroit 
and instead of moving the Grand Rapids Drive. So like, I wanted to bring you on because like you extensively cover the Wisconsin herd in uh, in addition to your Bucks coverage, you have a little bit insight into the G League. So like, what, what what did you think about the move when you first read it? So at first, I think like everybody else, it was you kind of had to read it a few times, right? I mean, the the G League news I was expecting, you know, the the next season's still up in the air. I wasn't expecting them to know anything about that right now. I think it's honestly looking a little tenuous, to be quite honest. But like aside from anything about that, I guess you know, the, there's two teams without. <laughs> there was two teams without a G League affiliate, right? The the Portland Trailblazers and the Denver Nuggets. So you would expect, if anything, like. Denver's putting a team in Colorado Springs or maybe Portland's going to be kind of a kind of chippy or kind of bold, I guess, audacious, audacious and put one in, in Seattle or something like that. That could be fun. Seattle loves basketball. And I don't, I don't know if they'd embrace that because they lost a real life NBA team, but I digress seeing that the Pistons bought a team and the Suns sold a team to me. It was like, wait, what? Like we'd seen independent affiliated teams, like get bought or whatever recently, some somewhat recently, the Sioux Falls Sky Force, who were just like floating out there, chilling, loosely affiliated, became whole with the Miami Heat, basically bought by the Miami Heat. But it was very weird to see like two teams, both with exactly one G League affiliate involved in this transaction, but kind of digging down into some of the local reporting from some Pistons folks, it started to make sense why the the Pistons needed to buy a different G League team. It's kind of a messy situation a little bit, but it seems like Detroit, the the organization, resolved it pretty much entirely by just going and finding another team to put in. It's, I believe it's Wayne State, the campus, right? Yeah, that's correct. So that's right in Detroit, right by Little Caesars Arena. From what I've read, I'm not an expert on Detroit. So basically... Like seeing they, distance, yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay, so like... I don't know if it's that much of an extra advantage. I mean, I don't think Grand Rapids is that far, but it's probably a little nicer logistically. And just like outright owning the organization, I think will be good for the Pistons. So I think it's unfortunate they couldn't figure it out with Grand Rapids. I'd love to hear any insight or things you've heard on, on that relationship or what happened there. But it, it makes sense that, you know, the Pistons couldn't get as much control as they wanted out of their more so partnership with the drive. So they just had to look elsewhere. Like I, I that part makes sense to me now. Yeah, I everything i'm reading is the same stuff you're reading and from everything i'm seeing it looks like the the owners of the grand rapids drive just think they have a sustainable business which is rare and precious in the g league but also like you would think like fairly tenuous especially with like the time we are living in so it does seem like it does seem a little weird that they weren't able to move off that position but we did know that the pistons were going to build um the Wayne state campus. Uh, we knew that like last year. And so that was something that like I had, I knew, but like had completely forgotten about because it was irrelevant until today. (laughs) It was like, Oh, okay. Yeah, that's right. They're going to be a team. Uh, Grand Rapids is like two and a half hours away from Michigan. It's all from Detroit. It's on all the way on the other side of the state and from like a East West perspective. And so you understand from a logistical perspective, like why that'd be tough. It's hard to have guys like practice with the team then you drive two and a half hours across the state to play in a game that night or something like that. But like I was looking at like the herd, for example, which you cover Oshkosh and Milwaukee, like aren't super close either. And I've never heard of that mattering to the bucks or to the herd. So do you think like geographical 
like spatial distance is uh, like that big a factor in like player development in uh, in tying between like the the big club and the little club. I think it's like it's more optimal, but like let's say the um, the investment in the university and building the facility there wasn't a thing. Do I think mm-hmm. the Pistons would have then you know sought out a different organization to buy and move up to Detroit? No, I, I don't think so. I think you really you need to do it because of you know you wanting to put another team in, into that building or that facility that they're building and everything else. So I think I think that was the real impetus for the move. I don't think if that if that wasn't on the, uh, on the table, if that wasn't a thing, I think they would have probably been just fine with Grand Rapids. It's it's a little less convenient for sure. It'll be even nicer now, but I don't think it's it's that bad. I mean, Oshkosh is about an hour and hour and a half, probably hour and a half to the Bucks where they're at. In Milwaukee, from from the the NBA site, the NBA facility, whatever, um, which is like not super ideal, but like from their perspective, they really wanted to. The Bucks have had a, a hard time reaching out to like the non Milwaukee Madison, really Milwaukee parts of Wisconsin. So that's why yeah. it's called you know the Wisconsin herd. They're really just like please everyone in the Fox Valley, which is like three to four big ish cities for Wisconsin size. They're all like they just are really trying to expand the brand, so that's why I think they they made that sort of compromise with not being right there, but still pretty close, pretty pretty solid drive between one place to the other. Um, but I, I think it's nicer. But yeah, I think the the deal with the the university certainly plays uh, a pretty prominent role here, and it's it's unfortunate that Grand Rapids couldn't just move. Although I've read now a statement from them. At first, I thought they were just going to try to be independent, but now I think I saw they, they have some sort of – it says they're at least working on some sort of an affiliation. Yeah, yeah. We'll they, see. I th- we'll see. We'll definitely see. I mean, I obviously think their preference is not to be independent, but I think that they feel like they have that possibility if that's the only one that remains open to them. Yeah. Well, the, so, we'll, so we'll see. The G League is just in such a weird place, man. I mean, we got reports – during the season about an independent team in Mexico somewhere that was like coming over and joining the G League. Then we got the G League select team, which I believe is, is, is I know is different than that team even, which is also like partially in the G League, but it doesn't sound like it's really in the G League. And there's a lot of really strange stuff happening with the league right now. And it's probably the worst place it's been in in, in a while just because of, I mean, the guys fly coach or like take buses to games in, in our current covid reality it seems really hard to imagine having a g league season i mean clearly they just canceled the last one so it's such the league's in such a weird place but from strictly the pistons perspective i think you guys are in a pretty good spot i mean even if they have to take a year off or whatever the next time there is g league action you might see the team right there in, in detroit right by little caesars which like i said i don't think it like i don't think it's the difference between a player developing and not developing a certain way. It's just nicer for everybody all around to keep the, keep the family close, I guess. Yeah. I mean, like, and don't forget about the G league union, right. Which is a thing that's happening kind of in the background that we're not getting a lot of insight into, but something I think that is really going to matter, especially to those G league select dudes who like have zero protections right now. Yeah. It's, it's such a, man, like it's really sad because there's some exciting stuff. I, I, I haven't agreed with everything with the select team. Like I, I think it's a little bit too sheltered and it might take away from some of the actual G leaguers. Those are things I've like concerns I've aired, but it's, it's a big time bummer to put it lightly to put it very lightly that, you know, we're not going to see any of this stuff develop probably for quite a while, which I mean, obviously there's, there's, 
you know, bigger bummers, so to speak, in, in the country and world at large. But just strictly from looking at the G League, it's it's in a very like up in the air place. I really hope the NBA comes through and and makes sure that the league is is taken care of and ready to go once everything is is set for that to to be possible. No, I, I I'm totally right there with you. Um, one thing I did want to ask about though is like the players from a development standpoint, like. You know, it's it's nice to be close to home. It's or to the Baron team. It's nice to be able to do stuff like practice um, with the with the parent team, and then you know play a game that night in the same city. Do you think it matters at all to players when like they're deciding like which G League team to to sign with? Will it make Detroit more of a G League destination if there is such a thing? It might. So most like most G Leaguers are going to end up on a like not really get a choice of what team they're in, except for some who come to Detroit's training camp and become the so-called affiliate players. And they, mm-hmm. they have the relationship with the organization. Um, but otherwise, I mean, you can kind of work it out and like have a team trade for a guy's rights right before he signs. Cause you sign with the league, not with a team in the G league, but oftentimes it's like, you know, when you see a trade that like for a guy's rights who hasn't played in a while, right? And and you kind of ask somebody about it, they're like, oh yeah, he's just about to come over now that they that not like they get his rights and then the next day he signs in the G League or something like that. Uh, right. So it, it might though. I mean, I would think Detroit would be a better destination than Grand Rapids for you know uh, like the NBA G League demographic. Like you want to be in a bigger city usually. I mean, this like all the small town guys, but I think generally. And, and plus being with that proximity, like being able to probably have more involvement with the Pistons. Um, I know there's some some practice rules, but usually you can cross over a little bit if they're close enough. Like the the G League, the I think when they were the Defenders still, the Lakers G League team, which they should have stayed the Defenders. That was a cool name. But um, they were like playing in the Lakers practice facility for a while. So I'm sure that was cool. Even if they couldn't participate, like just oh yeah, being there for like, Kobe practices must have been awesome. Right. Or like even, you know, hey, the Pistons are like on a six game road trip. No one's using the facility like you guys can use the facility. Right. Like that sounds great. Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think it'll be nicer, too. You'll probably see and I don't you've probably seen some of this, but I would imagine now you'll see more like a Piston coming back from injury or something might catch more assignments to the G League as just not even to play, just to practice. Like I know mm-hmm. this somehow became like a something people were mocking Steph Curry for because he, he got assigned to the Santa Cruz Warriors a few times. Never going to play a game there, but the G League practices more often, so it's a nice tool. And now it's even easier. You don't have to sell Blake Griffin or Derrick Rose or whoever. You don't have to ship them across the state. You can literally just like drive them across the street and say, all right, while these young guys get some work in on this practice and you'll – you'll be able to, you know, get a little bit better rehabilitation experience. That's a nice little plus too, I think. No, I, I, I totally agree with you. That makes a lot of sense. All right, last thing. Speaking of names, speaking of cool G League names, the Pistons are running a contest for the fans to name the new G League team. <laughs> I don't know how that's going to go. We'll see. But what would your new name, what would your name for the for the G League team be in Detroit? Oh, man. See, I haven't thought about it yet. I feel like I, I should do like a... I should enter. I, I do want to weigh in. I love weird G League names. Um, so I kind of – do you think they would call it like Motor City or something? As not not as the name itself, but like as the, the location. Right. Yeah, I like that would be really cool. But I do wonder in like the same vein as like the Wisconsin herd reaching out to the entire uh, – the state of Wisconsin. Um, 
I would wonder if you might want to do something similar for the entire state of Michigan just yeah. to get some fans from the suburbs and everything in Detroit. So maybe that happens. Maybe it doesn't. We'll see. But uh, but yeah. See, I, I just I hope what I, what I hope they don't do is like, I mean, Motor City might redeem it just because it's cool, but I hope they don't do like Motor City Pistons. Yeah, that's really bad. Now, I want like a whole new identity, like the Windy City. Like when I saw the Bulls were going to do Windy City as the location, I was like, oh, that's awesome. But it's just like the Windy City Bulls. I guess you can do like it's kind of, I don't know, it kind of works. The Raptors 905 is probably the absolute weirdest right now because they just took like the nickname of the NBA team and made it the first. I don't I don't understand how to refer to that team half the time. It's very strange to me that the Raptors 905, it, I thought it would be like the 905 Raptors, but I'm not sure. I hope it's a car pun though. That's all I want. I want a car pun. I don't know if I have a good one right now. Maybe like the Michigan spark plugs. I don't know. That's terrible. But I, I hope it's like somewhat car related. I hope they don't just go like a different Michigan thing. I think that would be less cool. Like the herd is kind of fun because like, Obviously, it's like multiple deer. I think that's but, neat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. I agree. See, it's funny you say that because my idea was actually like Detroit Sparks or there like it is. Motor City Sparks because the Sparks push the pistons. Yes. Right? Like that's what in a combustion engine, that's literally what pushes the piston like up and down. It's like, I thought that was kind of cool. I'm you know, with like, it. Unfortunately, Sparks is kind of like taken by the LA Sparks. Yeah. I don't know if from like a branding perspective, I don't know how that's going to go. But I mean, like, I, I kind of like it, but like people are, people are coming up with some crazy stuff though. People also come up with some cool stuff. I saw a bunch of like people who want to reference and homage like Motown and the music scene in Detroit. Like, I think that would be really cool. I know like the capital city go-go. Yeah. Like have, have their entire thing. And like, that's such a unique uh, thing to the area that I like would feel comfortable emulating if, in Detroit. And so like, yeah, there's, there's going to be some good stuff that comes out of this, but like, uh i'm also i've also seen like motor city basketball mcbasketball faces like <laughs> if they don't pick that one yeah yeah we're not like we don't have to do this guys like come on like <laughs> let's let's be serious they're doing uh they're doing like a contest where you just send it in and then they pick the best one they're not letting people vote right oh god i hope not. you yeah. can't let the internet vote that's how you get guy fieri and, and whoever else sent to alaska and I think they tried to send Taylor Swift to Siberia. Like, never let the internet vote. Just let them send in options. It's some great creativity, but you can't let it be an, an open vote. Sports are coming back, and so are your chances to bet on your favorite teams and events. And there's no better place to start than with our exclusive partners, Bet Online. Get in on the action for this week's big UFC fight, or check out odds on NASCAR, Formula One, and the Premier League. Can't wait for your team to come back? Bet Online has futures odds, including win totals, division winners, and even league championships. Or check out daily simulations of Madden and NBA 2K to watch and wager on. Visit betonline.ag and use the promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus. That's promo code BLUEWIRE, all one word. Bet Online, your online wagering experts. All right, so player talk. We're not. We're kind of transitioning out of the G League into the NBA. I wanted to ask you about Justin Patton because Justin Patton was on the herd this year, and now he's a Detroit Piston. And so, fully, uh, the Milwaukee to Detroit pipeline <laughs> remains stable. <laughs> what can you tell me about Justin Patton? I mean, first thing I want to mention is just one of the absolute nicest people I've ever met. Basketball aside, like he's just. I don't want to like make him sound like soft because he doesn't play that way at all, but just like 
just an endearingly earnest, nice person. Just it's very, I don't want to say refreshing, like everyone is mean, but like it's business, Mm -hmm. you know, it's kind of annoying to have to talk to media all the time. I totally get that. Some of the questions absolutely stink, my own included, but just like a very pleasant, nice person. So that's the first thing I would say. Secondly, though, he's just like a very athletic, bouncy center. And usually when you say those things about a G League center, he's like 6'8", which is like, you know, the reason he's still in the G League. Justin Patton has legit size, but is also bouncy, very springy. Jump shot is like, you know, like working on it, not really all the way there. I don't think he'll take that many in the NBA, but he doesn't really have to. He can do all the legit center things. Um, he can He can dunk. He can finish lobs, like kind of sort of like a much lower usage Christian Wood a little bit in the skill sets. Like you're not going to see him like, you know, size up somebody and take him off the dribble a lot. It's more of like the traditional center version, which might be an easier to incorporate player in, in the NBA these days. No. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, so between, if you had to pick between Justin Patton, X buck and Thon maker X buck, which, which would you pick? Because that's basically what it's going to come down to, right? Like, Dante Hall was signed by the Nets. Um, the Pistons currently, like, if you consider Thonmaker not a part of the team because he was a restricted free agent, they currently don't have any centers on the roster. And so it's like there's a real opportunity for us to like see some Justin Patton. But, you know, also like Thonmaker is kind of also in that same in that same zone. And so I'm, when I'm thinking about the two guys just like in comparison with one another, I'm just like I it's it's tough to uh imagine like what which guy should like win out because we've seen Thon be a role NBA player for you know a season and a half now but Justin Patton has never quite managed that but it does seem like Patton has the like better physical attributes that you'd look for in like an NBA center aka he can actually like grab rebounds <laughs> yeah. so it's yeah it's weird uh so what did you think what would you who would you choose between Patton and Thon it's tough for them. They don't. Well, hopefully they do get. This would probably be probably like the Pistons' biggest thing if they get this mini camp before the the NBA season rolls over, is to kind of get a chance to look at them both. But you know, as as much as it almost feels disrespectful to my guy Thon, who was what the tenth overall pick a couple of years ago, I think Patton is your better chance to be like a legit NBA center at this point. I mean, just Thon is like so maddeningly inconsistent on game to game, and I feel like. Patton is like the, I don't think the ceiling is as high, right? Like, I mean, maybe mm-hmm. Don's ceiling is like, people probably look at it as lower by now. Cause it's just been so many years of unfulfilled promise, but like somewhere in there, at least at one point, it was like, you know, a stretchy guard, like two through five, maybe even one through five. If you were super high on him, finish lobs, run the floor, super fast, hit a bunch of threes. Like you can kind of see the outlines there. I don't think, you can look at Justin Patton and see that kind of a unicorn type player. But I think you do see like, okay, he knows how to play center right now. And he can probably show up and do pretty much the same things game in game out. Like I think he looked really good with the dynamic herd guards around him. I think playing with Derek Rose, will be a lot of fun for him when those two play together. Um, if, if you guys are fortunate enough to get Killian Hayes, I think those two would play really well together as well. So I, I feel like I would go with Patton just because, I see a much easier path to him being useful for you right away. And I, as much as like they're embracing a real rebuild right now, I don't think you just want like, you know, 10% chance he's really good someday, but 
50% chance he's just not. Like, I feel like you need some safe bets, knows how to play guys, even if they are young with upside. I think Patton is that. Yeah. It's it's easier to try and convince yourself about, like, the 10% upside guys when they're going to be guards or wings, right? Yeah. The, the high upside, uh, like, traditional big man is not supremely valuable in today's NBA, I guess that unless that guy's like an elite, elite, elite level defender. And that's something we can't say about either Justin Patton or Thon Maker at this point in their careers. And so, yeah, it makes, uh, it makes a lot of sense to uh, evaluate guys kind of on evaluate bigs in particular on how solid they're going to be just in their NBA roles. Right. And so like, yeah, I think, I, I think I agree with you, but like, I just need to hear somebody else say it <laughs> because only because like, you know, Justin Patton's kind of like this mystery box for Pistons fans, right? We we didn't get a chance to see we weren't really looking for him in the G League or anything. And he just kind of like falls into our lap. He's the first uh, Troy Weaver move. And so that like that's really exciting and that's kind of a it's an indication from from what you've from what you know you said on the podcast, like Troy Weaver has specified and saying like, Hey, we're looking for good people in addition to good players with this team and you know you reinforcing that Justin Patton is indeed like a, a nice person. Like just again, like this this shows the type of players that like Troy Weaver is going to be interested in, but at the same time, like we're not going to know if he can play or not until 2021, which, like, which is unfortunate. Right. I do right. think though, like it's very relevant that Weaver got an inside look at him in, in Patton's time at OKC. And I think, I think he liked him there. I mean, they ended up moving on from him, but they, there was some, trades and and stuff there was injury stuff prompted some moves etc but like the fact that he's had some time to evaluate him up close before and he went and got him like that right away i do think speaks to the fact that like troy weaver's got to be a little high on him i mean obviously there's only so many moves you can make right now with so many things not happening like it's not like you know the first day of free agency when everyone's available he went and called justin Patton first but I do think right. it, it's, it says something. I mean, it's definitely a positive review implied that they went out and got him like this before an, other teams had a chance to you know get a look at him in free agency. No, yeah, absolutely. All right, so now we're going to adjust all the dial all the way to the Bucks. <laughs> so we're going to get you in your comfort zone. How have the Bucks looked in their opening scrimmages? I saw they, they won two, they lost one, which was surprising that they like even lost a scrimmage, seeing as how invincible they seem. <laughs> I appreciate you uh, affirming their invincibility. I'll say the third scrimmage against the Pelicans, they just looked like 30% out of it, 70% bored. I think they, and I heard the Raptors similarly, which honestly pretty much surprised me. I heard the Raptors got super lazy on defense, spelled with a C, of course, because we're talking about the Raptors. Uh, in their last game so that made me feel a little bit better I think part of it was like tired legs after not playing for so long and then they really they played Chris Giannis a lot of minutes in all three scrimmages I mean a lot like more than 20 uh, in all three scrimmages so I think partially that and partially just like okay let's at least get to games that we can pretend count in the seeding games that don't really count for the Bucs but to to your original question they looked really good Um, it seems like Everybody, and it makes sense that they would. It's not like I doubted it, but everybody looks like they're really locked in, like they really stayed in great shape. 
Um, everybody absolutely lied about not having access to a basketball and Giannis <laughs> kind of chuckled and said as much. And I had heard things, you know, like quietly, but Giannis kept saying like, no, I have not touched a basketball. And now he's like slightly smiling when, when people ask him if he really hasn't touched one. Cause obviously he did like, I mean, just think about it. Like obviously somebody would open up a gym somewhere and like leave the keys and just let Giannis use the gym. Like it's ridiculous that. Even for a second, I let myself think that he really hadn't touched the ball. He clearly has. But everybody looks locked in. Everybody looks ready to go. Chris Middleton is playing probably the best I've ever seen. I know it's scrimmage ball, but just like the way he's playing, the aggressiveness, which is something I've always, always said he just needs to do. Like to take that leap forward, he needs to be a go-to player, and the team needs to realize that too. We've seen that. Like they're running a lot more Christiana's pick and roll, especially like to end quarters and stuff. Um, so it's been really reaffirming, you know, I was a little worried that somebody comes with just not looking right. I mean, George Hill hasn't hit a lot of jumpers so far. I'm just not worried. There's, there's a lot of time until the games really matter, but like everybody looks very focused, very locked in. I mean, the bucks are taking this thing very, very seriously, which should go without saying, but it's like, you never know. I mean, there's so many variables, so much time off. You never know what could have happened in the uh, interim, but no, pretty much everybody looks ready for action. It's been Really exciting to watch. Yeah. I I wonder, too, because especially for teams at the top of the conference, like the Bucks, like the Raptors, like the Lakers, like the Clippers, it's, it's in all likelihood they won't play a game that both matters and they have to try hard in until, like, the second round of the playoffs in, you know, four weeks or whatever, <laughs> or however long everything's going to take. So it, it – you, you could be forgiven – Right. If you're uh, let's say uh, who's who's a, I don't want to like call out anybody in particular. I like I don't want to be a jerk. <laughs> <laughs> like, OK, let's let's say you let's say you're uh, Eric Bledsoe. Sure. Right. Yeah. You, you come. You was like, OK, I'm not going to play a game that matters for six weeks. It's like it's totally fine. Like I will use that time to get my body into shape because I will have literally nothing else to do. And like you, you would be fine. Like that'd be fine. Maybe not Bledsoe because he's been like pilloried in the past. <laughs> but but you get what I'm saying, yeah, right? No, like, absolutely. So does that? But did that? Like, how much did that worry you at all? That they wouldn't play a game that mattered until the second round of the playoffs. I know. I think it was a it was a significant worry. I think that's why like the energy and and uh, and just like and just how physically good they looked. Like everybody was moving really well. Some guys were moving better than we last saw. Like Wes Matthews. Looks terrific. Marvin Williams is looking the best. He's looked in a Bucks uniform. A lot of people forget they acquired Marvin Williams. They did indeed. It's like, yeah, all, all 15 games of Marvin Williams. <laughs> if that, honestly, he barely got to play. He barely made any threes, but he's hitting them now. And the Lopez brothers, man, Brooke Lopez especially. Like, he's hitting a lot of threes, which everybody joked he would in Disney World. It seems like he – or Disneyland, whichever. Um, it seems like he actually is. Like, the Orlando bubble magic is real for him. But aside from that, like – Everybody made a huge deal out of Svelte Jokic and like thin down Mark Gasol. And, and those transformations were noteworthy. But Brooke Lopez looks a little bit thinner too. Like he looks a lot more spry to me. And he certainly hasn't lost any of his strength. And it's just like, it really seems like, and we haven't seen uh, Bledsoe or Pat Connaught in play yet because they had uh, positive COVID tests and it took them a little while longer to get in the bubble. But they're all reported now. But so far, it looks like pretty much everybody was like really determined and focused and I think that comes from like this team's whole motivation is blowing the 2-0 lead in the Eastern Conference Finals like nobody has forgotten Giannis sees Kawhi and Marcus all in his sleep and I think that's one of those little advantages of 
the continuity of not changing up the whole team. Like obviously the Brogdon move, you had some guys like Wes Matthews around the perimeter, but so many of these guys have been together, not just last year, but even longer. And they all feel like they have unfinished business. And I think that like really like kind of unifying force of like, we need to prove everybody wrong, that we're not frauds, et cetera. Like that we are the best team in the league after being it in the regular season for two years. I think that fire never went out even during the long break, which is like it certainly could have for a guy or two and you would you wouldn't like hold it against them forever like it would make sense you'd see where they're coming from but it really just didn't which i find greatly impressive yeah no i i i was wondering about that especially with uh like some of the other more veteran teams like the bucks because of everything you talked about but the way in which they lost the eastern conference finals and to me also like the relative youth of the team uh, like Giannis is still under 25. Chris is what, like 26, 27, something like that. Uh, he might be a uh, year or two older, but yeah. yeah. Um, like Bledsoe still being in his twenties. Um, like the, the core of the team is like really young and really hungry. And they've surrounded those guys with experienced veterans who like know how to stay in shape. And so it wasn't a surprise to me that those guys uh, came back. But like, like you said, it could be forgiven uh, if they weren't. Um, but yeah, like I'm, I'm really curious to see how the playoffs kind of play out for these, for this Bucks team, because, because of what happened last year, right? Like we, because we've already seen this team dominate in the regular season for extended periods, like you mentioned, and that hasn't necessarily translated into playoff success. And so, you know, as just a guy who doesn't watch the Bucks all the time, I wonder what's different. You pointed out one thing, I think in entrusting Chris Middleton with more of the offense and trusting Chris Middleton, like with the ball in his hands at the end of quarters. I think that'll be a good thing for the team just to diversify what they can do in a playoff setting. Um, But yeah, like, and you, but there's also like always kind of the hanging question. It's like, will Budenhoser make the adjustments (laughs) that he needs to make? Right. And like, you've talked about this and I know you've talked about it, but like, it we got we got to see it we we just got to see it if before we believe it happens or not no and, and i i don't disagree with you i think i've gotten a little fired up about i think people automatically a lot of people just assume that that he won't that they won't that they won't be ready cuz that's what happened in the past but i think the signs this year are are good signs like early and and it somehow like i know it feels like there's been a million years in the last several months but this is only year 2 of Budenholzer coaching the bucks like I think he, it really does feel like year four for it some ab- Well, because I mean, that's how the news cycle works now, right? Like his first year there, Giannis's first year making out of the first round. And we're getting all these stories like, if they don't win the title this year, he's gone. We're getting them about this season too. It's like, man, it's their first deep playoff run last year. They didn't win at all. And it's like all or nothing. Like it, it adds years to the runs, I think. But it's still been enjoyable. Don't get it wrong. Don't get it twisted. I'm not out here complaining about having a great team and a historically great player. But I think Bud had to learn like a lot of the players did from the loss though. Like he had had to rely on schemes to make not like rosters that just couldn't keep up with top teams in the conference. Like he had to have a scheme that they relied on because you can't just put the ball in Jeff Teague and Kyle Korver or like Paul Millsap's hands and win 60 games. Like it, you can't just simply run pick and rolls over and over and do that. It's probably not going to work if like, Damari Carroll is one of your few best players. Like you got to mix it up a little bit. You got to have some sort of a, a good coaching scheme, a good method, good system in there to 
you know, bring out the best in players like that who aren't traditional like superstars. And even early year one last year, there were these reports like Chris and, and Bud kind of butting heads over like, is he taking too many mid-range jumpers? Like, is he going out of the flow of the offense? And this year it's like completely different. Like whatever Chris does is part of the flow of the offense now, because I think the realization is there that like this guy is too good to just take looks that come to him within the motion of the offense, right? It's like the old Steph Curry thing. Like maybe the ball was out of Steph's hands a little too much. Some of those golden state years, especially in, in pivotal moments. And I'm not comparing the two players. Don't get it. Don't, don't, (laughs) don't aggregate me anyone out there, but it's the same sort of (laughs) idea of like, Chris was like coming up short in a lot of these playoff games because he's like, he's not getting consistent touches. He's not like getting pick and roll looks. It's like a catch and shoot jumper or like a play breaks down. He just has to kind of play make on the fly. Whereas now they start all the time with like a Chris Giannis pick and roll, a screening action, inverting it. Like they don't just kind of rely on the motion offense to generate points nearly as much anymore. And they also go to Brooke Lopez a lot more. So I just think, I think it was a learning experience for the players. Like Giannis drives a lot smarter now than he did last year after realizing, you know, it took a whole regular season and and three playoff series for somebody to stop it. But he realized he couldn't just like drive straight toward the basket and half court sets anymore. So now they have other stuff they can do. They can get Giannis rolling in space. They can get Chris some more space, post up Brooke on a little guy. So it's like, these are these things that believe it or not, you just really didn't see last year. And now we're seeing them a little bit. And I think it's like, I think that's why. I think everything that they do differently this year, they do differently for that postseason matchup that's going to come when things get tight. I just, I think they're going to be more ready. And I think even if Bud like isn't the best coach in a series, he just has to be close with how good this team is and how good Giannis is. Yeah. No, I would just, even a small thing, as small a thing as like, letting Brooke Lopez, a former 20-point-per-game scorer, like, punish guys on switches. is like, that's... You would have expected to see some of that stuff earlier. But, you know, it took time. And you're seeing it now. And that's not... That's, like, you know, that's, like, the fifth thing on a scouting report. But that's something I think can absolutely, like, buy you two minutes in a playoff setting. That's, like, all you really need. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you think you think Middleton gets second team All NBA or third team All NBA? I year? have him on second, but I'm guessing he's going to make third. I just like people think Tatum is better. Um, I talked a little bit uh, on the timeline with Dave DeFore about this, and he said the perimeter defense makes the difference. I I get that take. Chris is very good, but doesn't like if it's based on like what he's actually done in the season. He's not putting in maximum effort. He's not guarding premier players. Usually, Wes Matthews takes those responsibilities. So. Like if I, I don't think the defense is decision making for a lot of people's all NBA teams, but uh, I get that. Case. Ooh, I mean, don't don't tell that to Bradley Beal, oh, buddy. I don't even want to. I don't even want to <laughs> mention Bradley Beal right now. My goodness, um, I I did not make him any promises about any of my all NBA teams that I don't even have a vote on. So hopefully, me and Brad are still good. But um, yeah, I, I think he has a case for a second though. Like I think he's straight up better than Siakam and it's not a question. I think he's been better than Tatum all year. I think he's just a better player. Um, you can split the defense whatever way you want, but offensively, like the only guy I think shooting better between the paint and the three point arc than Chris, I think is Chris Paul. And Chris is right up there. Like he's been an elite scorer from absolutely every area. He's a great passer. He's a very good defender. His team is very, very good. And I know now the positions are getting all weird and muddled. Like I saw like um what did I see there? Tatum is a guard on some ballots now. It's like, what? Jason Tatum is so far from a guard, but whatever. Um, 
I, I but I think he should be this season an all NBA guy, no doubt, whether it's second or third. But I, I see people are going third a lot more than second. It's like, okay. I, I think it's like the same thing as the Bucks as a whole. Like he does have to prove it. And even though it's not a playoffs award, like if Chris goes out and plays like a star this whole playoff run in front of everybody, then I think like he'll start getting the benefit of the doubt and people will take him a lot more seriously going forward. No, I, that's surprising to me too, because we've seen Chris have, you know, spectacular moments in the playoffs. Ask the Celtics people so about it, it, man. Yeah. Yeah. I can talk to Alex about that, <laughs> but like it, it, it is surprising to me that he's not getting the benefit of the doubt. Um, especially considering like he didn't, he didn't make all NBA last year. No. Right? Yeah. He did not. Yeah. And, and he's been much better than the player he was last year. And normally that type of that type of jump for a team that's as successful in the regular season as the Bucks have been, like normally that gets you into the all in like solidly into like the second team all NBA conversation, but it just hasn't for him for whatever reason. I you know, I I wonder a little bit if he's being punished for like playing with Giannis in a weird way. Yeah. But I, I think like the, then the Bucks fans will quickly and I'm one of them, don't 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 I'm not like um criticizing them for this they'll pull out his per 36 splits without Giannis quickly and he's got like 31 points per 36 and the efficiency isn't that much lower but I think it's like a split of he really came up short a few times in the Raptors series as did like everyone else on the team but like Chris noticeably had some horrible games and and really crucial uh, games in that series and just like I think he's punished for being in his late 20s like if his career had started like three years ago and you saw this kind of progression, everybody would be like, oh my God, he's going to be one of the best 10 players in the league, etc." Like, I think there's definitely like a late bloomer tax. Like we, we, you don't get excited. Like once you get used to a guy being a certain way, it's against your, it's against like your, your mentality to think that he's going to improve a lot. Like that's just how I think we're hardwired to look at it. So it just seems impossible that he was like, you know, a role player, a nice three and D guy for so long. And now all of a sudden he's like unlocked this other part to his game. It's, it's unusual and it's strange and people don't really want to accept it. And no one watches the bucks. So I think that feeds into it a little bit too, but yeah, it's, it's very interesting though, to see the Middleton discourse and all the ranging opinions. I think that what I, so what I'm hearing is that like, he has to go into practice and cuss everybody out <laughs> and like immediately walk out and do an interview with Rachel Nichols and then it'll be second team all NBA. <laughs> That's what I mean, like. if people, if more people thought about him, maybe yeah. If if he was a an alpha, <laughs> if only he was an alpha. But yeah, it's 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 just so interesting, man. Because you just watch him play, and he's just so good. And like, I'll talk to people, and they just like straight up won't believe it. And I'm like, man, just what? Like, like, and you throw the numbers, and of course, a lot of the people who don't believe in Chris Middleton are the same people who say, you know, keep the calculator put away or whatever. And it's like, just watch him, man. Just watch ten Chris Middleton games, but. I've stopped being aggravated by it. I'm just going to wait till the playoffs and really, really hope he continues playing the way he has. And if so, like that should do all the talking for me and him. Absolutely. What do you, what do you think the playoff rotation ends up being like the, the bucks have gone very deep on occasion this year and they've prided them. I don't know if they've prided themselves, but they've definitely made an, like a concerted effort to, keep Giannis and Chris and Brooke fresh during the regular season. I think Giannis is still only averaging like 31, 32 minutes a game, which is ridiculous considering his statistical output. But anyway, like what, what do you think the, how do you think the playoff rotation shakes out? 
Um, I think the Bucks have gotten too good to let Bud ruin it with some questionable rotation choices, thankfully. Giannis is at 30.9 minutes, by the way. My oh my, my favorite fun factoid people are pulling up is if Schroeder wins six man, the sixth man of the year will play more minutes per game than the MVP, which is like bonkers. Like that's that, that should be impossible. That's ridiculous. Yeah, I know. I know. That's Giannis is like something you look at Giannis' stats and they surprise me a lot. Like he got 30 points the other day, and I was just like, when did he get like this was a slog of a game? He he had like one run where he like looked pretty dominant, but the rest of it was kind of just like casual outside of some dunks, and it's like, oh, 30 points in 20 minutes. Neat. Um <laughs> the guy's not bad. But I think though, rotation wise though, you're gonna see the same starting lineup at first. It's gonna be and I think throughout, even if they sub guys out early. So they'll start with mm-hmm. with Bledsoe West, Chris, Giannis, Brooke, and then what I mean about like them being too deep for Bud to go too far, Bud is like their next four guys are George Hill, Dante DiVincenzo, Marvin Williams, and Robin Lopez. And there's not really like a miss in there where you're like, oh, you can't give that guy minutes. Like Pat isn't Pat Connaughton is now the tenth guy. Him or Urson, they're like fighting to be the tenth guy. And not even Bud, I don't think, is going to go like ten deep regularly in big games. He didn't last year. By the time the the the, bug, the end of the Eastern Conference Finals had approached. Like, he had completely removed uh, Nikola Miritich from the rotation. The name hurt me to say. Blessed. I, yeah, blessed. I had to gather myself before I could even say the name. But <laughs> but it's like he, he's not as steadfast, I think, as people like to think. <clears throat> Excuse me. But, um, yeah, I think even if they go nine deep, which sounds like a whole lot, it's nine very good, very useful players, and they're all plus defenders. So I think that allows you to do it without taking so much of a hit. But – we're going to see plenty of Chris, plenty of Giannis, um, hopefully a good amount of Brooke Lopez, who looks like their third best player in Orlando right now. So I, I don't think you're going to see like 25 minutes or something crazy from a star, but they can certainly like switch around pieces. And like the thing I keep saying when people ask me about Bledsoe is even if he does combust again, they could just excise him from the rotation and like be fine. Like they have two other guards that could stick in there. They'll probably just do Dante and continue to let George Hill be a bench guy. But they just have so many options now that even if one piece is like not working the greatest in a certain matchup, they can just move around it. Like it's kind of nuts. Yeah. I would I would highly encourage everybody to like while you're doing your Chris Middleton homework, also do your Dante DiVincenzo homework. That dude is really fun to watch and is going to be a really good player in this league for quite some time. So I've said star. I, I don't think he's going to be like a conventional star, but yeah, I don't, I don't know, I don't know yeah. about star, but he's just like the what the stuff he does on defense right now is like nuts, and he's really working on being a dangerous like pull up curl around screen shooter too. It's not all the way there yet, but the fact that he's trying the stuff makes me feel good about where he's going to go long term. I have no idea what his exact ceiling is, but he's like a very very good complement and a perfect bench guy this year. Just brings some energy when they get slow because the guy plays it like a billion miles an hour and it's yeah it's it they're just it's a really fun team to watch believe it or not like i mean it, you'd think they would be with the honest and everybody but they just they play so fun watching the lopez brothers do stuff is fun dante west matthews is out here guarding harden and lebron and doing a really good job like my the thing i've been caving for and i don't think he's going to get a single vote but i was like nba writers like put west matthews in your honorable mentions on your all defensive teams at least like he literally deserves it he guards amazing incredible perimeter players and does a really good job but the bucks have like so many defenders that people feel obligated to put on anyway that this is just not room yeah yeah it makes it tough 
but yeah, like DiVincenzo, he's not, he's a very different type of player than like a Danny Green, but like that's the type of career I see him having. Just like elite level role player who facilitates winning no matter where he is. It's like that's the kind of player I see Dante DiVincenzo like ending up being. And like that could be lucrative, right? Like Danny Green has made some pretty good money over the last couple of years. But, uh, but yeah, no, I, so I brought up the playoff rotation to sneak in something else that I think we're going to close with. And that's the, the future of the uh, Milwaukee to Detroit mm. pipeline. I noticed you didn't mention <laughs> Sterling Brown and you only kind of mentioned Pat Connaughton in passing. Uh, what do you think of those guys as kind of like future Pistons? On the last episode of the Eurostep, I literally referred to Sterling Brown as a future Piston. Oh, man. <laughs> he's just like, there's something there, but he's never gotten the time to figure out what it is or like explore it very much. Uh, he's not a point guard. He had to run some point guard in the third scrimmage. It was bad. But just as like a 3 and D wing who the only time he's handling the ball is like if he's going around to close out that happened too fast or something. I do think there's something there. Like I think he could be a, a solid rotational wing player, but he just he needs the reps and they never they should have put him in the G League more. They didn't because like he's always for like his whole Milwaukee tenure been like the emergency break glass in case of needing a wing guy. So they they never wanted to fully mm-hmm. take him away from the team. But I could certainly see the Pistons like coming in and snagging him on a very affordable like two or three year deal, and the Bucks just being like, okay, maybe it'll even be a, a sign and trade for whatever reason. Who knows? But I could certainly see the Bucks like just saying goodbye. We're gonna draft somebody else or bring in a vet we know can play a little bit more. And I just don't think like with all the guys they're already paying, I just don't think they're gonna want to put like real future money into Sterling Brown. So I could certainly see that, and maybe like DJ Wilson still has a year left, but. Same deal where it's like there might be something there. I'm higher on Sterling being a real player, but he's a guy I could also see them like sending somewhere this summer because he's, he's never gotten real run outside of like a month where he looks sort of promising, some good defense, ironically, against the Pistons. Maybe like knowing he could get traded there and he needed to show off and, and make a mark there. But um, another guy who I could certainly see going Detroit or elsewhere, but also Detroit. Probably not Pat, though. I think Pat likes it in the Bucks. Um, I think he'll stick around, but those two guys I could certainly see going, fulfilling the prophecy of every former buck becoming a piston. Yeah. Aren't Pat and Giannis like really tight? Yeah, they are. They do like workout videos together sometimes. He's also tight with Ursan, who's like, even when he's not a buck, seems like a buck. Um, And also another former piston as well. Yeah, former piston (laughs) Ursan. But yeah, uh, yeah, like I think, I think Pat fits in really well. I think Bud likes him even if he jumps at everything, but if if money or a bigger role came, he might go. Like I don't think he is like that determined, but I just I don't know if that's really out there for him. No, okay. All right, Ty. Uh what is there anything I didn't ask you? Anything that has kind of been on your mind that you wanted to get out on the Pistons versus everybody pod? Um, I like the the low risk, high reward gambles they've taken on guys like Christian Wood and Justin Patton. I think far too often that teams like will only grab their own guys from their own G league team that are like just loose out there. Like the Cavaliers drive me crazy by doing this. They only sign can't and charge guys when they have open spots and it looks good. Like it gets them more players later, but like there's some good guys in the G league that they could have snatched and, and tried to get in their doors and, and develop them and all that. So I like the low risk moves they've made, like getting some of these flyers on prospects without giving anything up. I think 
they the Pistons look like they're in a really promising position. This draft will be very interesting, but I would say just generally, I'm pretty happy with the way they've operated recently. I think it I think it looks good. I think Trey Weaver is going to be good. So I would say just like I'm, I'm a quiet Pistons optimist is what I would say. That is that is an excellent note to end the podcast on. Thank you, Ty. Uh, let the people know where they can find you. Where can they where can they find like the Eurostep? Your Patreon, like what? What? Shout out everything you're working Ooh, on. It would take a while. I'm trying to stay busy with the league coming back, but um, you can always find it on my Twitter at Ty Windish. It's T I W I N D I S C H. If you do a lot of other social media, I'm I'm on pretty much every platform at the same handle. Just type in Ty Windish, and I'll pop up. I promise, I'm the only one. Um, my podcast is the Eurostep, which I host with Rohan Kadi. We talk a lot about the Bucks. And future Pistons come up as well, just because, of course, they do. Um, so check that out. It's G-Y-R-O step. Nice little Giannis pun. And then patreon.com slash Ty Windish is where I cover every single meaningful NBA roster move. I do other analysis. I have a free ed- a free agent database, excuse me, with everybody who's going to be hitting free agency. I just I write a lot of fun stuff there. And because it costs a dollar a month, like I don't write for clicks. I just write for like what would NBA fans want to read, which is like really fun and fulfilling. So check that out as well if you'd like, but yeah, otherwise make sure to uh, make sure to rate and review this podcast because it's really good. Thank thank you. Thank you. And I will say, you know, I am a biased observer in this one. The uh, Ty Windish Patreon is the best oh, dollar I spend. Now, thank month. you. See, we're scratching each other's backs. Now probably both our credibility went out the window. At this point, but I promise, I'm, <laughs> my compliments are not just here because um, because Laz consumes the content. I, I very much enjoy what you do as well. I, I cite you and read you all the time, so it's it's very genuine. It's I, not there's no there's no money changing hands here besides for the dollar on the Patreon. <laughs> I appreciate that, Ty. Thank you. And of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Laz Chance. That's at L A Z C H A N C E. Uh, you can follow my other podcast, the Detroit Bad Boys podcast, wherever you find podcasts. And uh, anything I write on the draft or uh, anything that happens this offseason, which is going to be a long one, you can find uh, on DetroitBadBoys.com. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. And I don't know when we'll talk to you guys next. It'll be a while. Who knows? We'll see you. <laughs>